Hello everyone, I am Crystal Grafton Combs, and you're listening to Coffee Talk with Crystal. This podcast is a personal project designed to connect with the women of Alpha Omicron Pi and our greater community of sisters and friends. Sometimes I will answer questions from our sisters, and others I will invite friends and sisters to do the same. This episode is part of a special series highlighting our sisters in small business. I grew up in a family who owned and operated a small business, and I partner with my husband to do the same. Every day brings a new adventure, and I am so excited to share this series featuring our sisters in small business as they share their inspiration, their challenges, their success, and their advice for anyone looking to start a side hustle or branch out on their own. So thank you for listening, and now let's get to my next conversation. Hello, Alicia White. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. I'm so excited. I am so excited because... I am a woman in small business. This series highlights our sisters in small business, and I love everything about your shop and its title, The Ceramic Pig, and we will get to all of those good things, but first, I would love to start where we always do, and that is with your AOPI story. Excellent. So, I actually attended a large SEC school my freshman year of college and I did not go through recruitment. Um, I had a few family members in the Panhellenic system. I want to do my own thing. I want to branch out, be my own person. So did not go through the Panhellenic system and I actually had a great time my first year and I decided to change my major. So I translate schools, smaller um, school and I had no friends there. I knew nobody so I knew had to make friends in some form. I'm a very social person and I have to be around people. So my cousin at UT, she told me, she's like, go through recruitment. You'll love it. You know, like just test it out. So I did. Best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm still involved. I've been an advisor for way too many years (laughs) and love it and have some of my very closest friends who I still talk to, even though we live in all different states, are from my chapter. And one of the best things I think of is the chapter I come from is the chapter I help advise. And I love being a part of the chapter that gave me so much because I get to see it grow and transform and become something that is still like I remember when I was there, but also totally unique and totally different. And the current chapter members get to put their own stamp on what their AOPI chapter is. And I think that is one of the most unique things about AOPI as a whole is the chapter really gets to run that. And that is part of my passion is getting to see chapter members run their own chapter. So that is probably my AOPI story in a nutshell. There's a lot of other things that I could go into, but I would definitely say advising has been one of the biggest blessings in my life because it gives me um, the opportunity to get to know so many people. And when I'm on campus for a football game or for a basketball game, all of them there, and it still connects me to my university. So even though I'm not there, it's still fun to 
be around collegiate women and collegiate women are the best like they're vibrant they don't have children and they don't have all these responsibilities <laughs> that I do so it's fun to see them in that stage of life so you know it's interesting that you say that because one of the things I have missed the most about the pandemic and the loss of travel has been connecting with our collegiate women. I love seeing our alumni women. I love hearing the stories and and showing all of our members that we mean it when we say this could be sisterhood for a lifetime. But I have missed visiting our collegiate chapters and really getting that sort of perspective of exactly what you mentioned, like what was it all those years ago and how has it grown and changed and what are the amazing things these women are doing now to advance our fraternity the way that we did it 10, 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I love it. It is what I most look forward to when we return to what I hope is is life after the coronavirus. For those um, to give a a time frame, for those listening, this episode will not air until the fall, but we are recording the end of July. So we are still in quarantine and sort of coming and going in, in a new normal and behind masks. But... I do love this story, and that is how I met you. I visited the chapter where you now advise and had a most wonderful weekend and also picked up some fun finds along the way from the ceramic pig. So that is what we must talk about. Tell me all the things. Okay, so the ceramic pig actually started about eight years ago. Not that we have been in business for eight years idea and the love and the brainstorming behind it started eight years ago. I was on a family vacation at Seaside or in Seaside, Florida with my mom. And and we went to this store and I saw this ceramic pig bowl and I was so excited. I wanted it and it was $89. I will never forget how expensive it was. And I had just graduated college. I was just in my first roughing it job. I was living still on ramen noodles. So $89 for a frivolous bowl was definitely out of my budget. And I, I didn't get mad, but I just thought there's gotta be a better way or a way that I could afford this. And I just, I kept thinking and I kept thinking about it and I was like, okay, I need a path. I was currently in a job that I did like, but it was very, um, by the books and there was no creativity in it and I really enjoy being creative and coming up with ideas so I just kept thinking I I continued to work in that same job for five years um, and continued to have this idea on my mind and throughout those five years I wrote my business plan for the ceramic pig and I just everyone kept asking like what's the name gonna be and I was like I don't know I don't know like that will come when it comes and one day when I had to finish my business plan, I was like, what started What started this dream? And it was that ceramic pig bowl. So that is where the odd but yet fun name comes from. It's a homage to the whole start of this labor of love is what I would like to call it. <laughs> um, so fast forward five years, I was married to my husband and 
I was still in that same job and I decided I was like, you know what, I'm going to dedicate 100% of my time to getting my business off the ground. So I quit my job. I had saved money. I had my dad's an accountant, so he helped me set up a budget. I was ready to go financially and then I got pregnant. God always has interesting timing. Yes. So for nine months, I continued work, finish up finalizing ideas. And then I had my son in October of 2018 and obviously did not do much of anything besides live and take care of a newborn (laughs) for about nine months. Um, And then one day my friend who is an AOPI, she and I were actually roommates. She asked me, she's like, so when are you gonna, like, what's the deal? Like, you keep talking about this idea. I'm super excited about it. I know, you know, like, you really want to do it. When are you going to do it? And I just, it was one of those things I had put on the back burner because, back burner because I had my son. And I just said, I don't know. I don't know, Jen. I don't know when it's going to happen. She's like, well, you just got to do it. Just do it. And I was like, you know what? Just do it. And two months later, we opened. <laughs> so wow. we went from... A long planning, you know, like in time off to in two months, we were up and running. We had attended market. We had ordered inventory. We had tagged inventory. We had taken photos of it. And we will actually be celebrating our one year anniversary at the end of September of this year. So in a few months, which blows my mind that we've been open a year. But that, I mean, it's one of those things that went from zero to 60 in two months, in 60 days, which to me is mind because I felt like it took me, I mean, it took me almost eight years to get to that point. So, so very I, long but, story. Yeah, but this is <laughs> fascinating to me because that it is mind-blowing, except that I think people assume that you have a great idea and then you throw a few things together on paper, you walk in the doors of the bank, and then a month later you can have a store or a business or a whatever and it is almost never like that like even if it comes together in 60 days there is always this backstory of years Mm -hmm. in the making before this idea comes to fruition so I love that but then I also love that you were just like let's go we're gonna have a store and it's funny because I look back on my initial business plan which has evolved so very much in the past 12 months that I look back on the initial business plan and I think I was so naive like this is not how any of this went like I was a business major I've written business plans like I worked in business for five years like how was I so naive I thought I was not subject to all the pitfalls that new but you know when you read articles of new business startups you hear they hit all these road bumps and I was like I won't do I won't hit those because I know what to avoid but looking back I probably hit 10 times more than some people which is just it's mind-blowing but it's also a great thing but very interesting it's always I always think it's very fascinating to look back at where you were even five months ago before the pandemic happened where I was and where I am now because it's such a stark difference but when I look back years ago where I was and where I am now it's not anything that I imagined but it's so much more than I had ever thought so it's very very interesting how 
like you said, everyone has this idea, like you can go into a bank or you could open a store in however long, but it, it, it never turns out or that path and that journey is never how you initially think it is, which is the wonderful world of re- the wonderful world of starting a business. Well, so 100%, right? Like retail is, is such a beast. I mean, it is years and years ago, I worked in retail and for a big box department store. And even then it was before you, anybody could make the shift to buying things online. It it was just such a process. Tell me what surprised you the most about, about getting everything together in this first year of business outside of a global pandemic. Yes. I would think, I think the hardest part is really honing in on who your clients are. Because when I first started, I was like, everyone is my client. From a high schooler to a college-aged woman to a middle-aged woman or even men. And again, that's the naive part of starting a business, I think, sometimes, is that you can serve everyone in the sense of your makeup. Um, Because it's hard it is very difficult if you've never worked in retail or if you have worked in retail um, to pull items together that seem cohesive, but also your clientele isn't, it's not going to be something that they look back three years later and be like, I don't need this. This is a waste of my money. I don't want to have that. So I think really honing in on who is your core clientele has been one of the most interesting parts and I'm still figuring that out and it shifts um, and especially with the pandemic that's been shifting um, and so I think another big thing about retail is you always have to evolve what people wanted last Christmas is not what people want this Christmas and so trying to project what people want because we purchased Christmas in January like right after Christmas season we went to market and purchased all Christmas And so it's one of those things, what do people want a year from now? And that that is, I think, something very difficult if you work in retail because you are always trying to pick trends and what people will want before it even happens. You're essentially a, what is the word I'm looking for? Not a time. Um, What is it? What, like a psychic? Yes, like a psychic. Like you are trying to predict what people are wanting before they even want it. So how do you do that then? I think part of it is you find great wholesalers that you will purchase from who have a, a pulse on what customers are wanting based on current trends they're seeing. And a lot of stuff I've seen from our wholesalers is they're looking not just at the American market, they're looking at global markets. So something that might be popular in Europe now will hit America in six months and they're already planning for that in six months because they have production time, shipping time, and then to purchase. So it's one of those things having great wholesalers is key to having a great product lineup. But also I think it's part of intuition of if I like it, I think other people will like it, you know, like, and 
if my friends are liking it or the people that I trust to show this inventory to before we purchase it of, hey, you know, take a look at this product lineup. What do you think? And if they're saying, yes, this looks great. I really am liking it. I'm excited about it. I'm projecting that other people will like that because my clientele is, I'm hoping, very similar to me in the sense of they like nice things. They like fun items to bring something to their lives that might make them smile if they're feeling down or might make their home feel a little more cozy. So it's one of those things and it's kind of a crapshoot. It's just one of those things of we have had items that we purchased a year ago that still have not sold. So we're not on the mark 100% and that's okay. We knew not everything we would have would sell out or even get close to selling out. And I think that's part of being a new startup is you're trying to test the waters and trying to see, okay, my clientele is gravitating towards XYZ product. So ABC, we need to reshift those funds and put them somewhere else. So it's always a shifting animal or a shifting process because, and it, it's, it is difficult. I will be the first to admit that. Like, it is not something that we have found our perfect equation to, but also we're fine tuning it and we are also getting as much feedback as possible. Like, what do you want to see? Always being in tune with our clientele is extremely important to make sure that A, we're not purchasing stuff that they're not buying, and B, we're bringing them what they want to see. So I would say I don't have the perfect answer to that, but maybe this time next year, I will have an even better answer (laughs) once we've been through another round of this. (laughs) Do you find that, so a hundred years ago, it seems, of course, March also seems a hundred years ago, but, (laughs) but truly in what feels sometimes like another life, I owned a stationery store and I would go once a year to... The National Stationery Show in New York, and it was just, you know, once I had done it once, I understood the process and how you balance this and that there's only so much money and you do have to pick and choose those trends, but I was so overwhelmed just by the paper market. How in the, I mean, by the time we made five years and I decided we were expanding our other family businesses and I decided to close the shop. It was devastating and heartbreaking because I thought to myself, I finally figured it out. Right? <laughs> like it took five years before I knew. Like the people that were my people, that were my clientele, like this was what they loved. And and once that had sort of made the rounds through all the bridal showers, we needed to shift to something else. And I thought, oh, but I just figured it out. But there were so many hours in a day, right? And we were opening other businesses and it was just stuff. So so how it must be, I mean, that was just paper. How in the world, what does a market look like for a retail store that offers so many, I mean, you have home goods and jewelry and paper goods and party supplies. Like, how do you even get started when you walk in the doors to know where to go yes it is my first market experience was an experience to say the least um i had never been 
and I had asked a friend who had been to the clothing side of market, like, how does it work just to, just to somewhat prepare me? And she kind of gave me like, this is where you check in. This is what you need to do. This is what the buildings are. So going in, I did not feel prepared, but I felt more at ease. And I took my mother who, if you ever have the opportunity to meet Mimi, she will enrich your life. She is spunky <laughs> and takes no prisoners, but the most loving person you will ever meet. Um, so I took her with me and I had my six month old son with me in a baby carrier. So oh. it was the three of us. Oh. Yes. Yes. And we went, we went to a market in Atlanta and we went for three days. It was probably harder than giving birth. I'm just going to say it. Like I can compare it to that. Like it was more exhausting than giving birth. I truly think like think of recruitment, but with 15 floors of merchandise and people wanting you to buy stuff all the time. Like it, it almost is like a recruitment because you are trying to figure out you're talking to all these vendors and some of them you can walk up to and say like no I definitely know I don't need pinwheels like we're just going to walk by the pinwheel booth um but then there are also so many that look very similar and have a very similar product makeup and you're looking at prices particularly what can I get this for because margins are huge in retail no matter what retail you are in margins are a big deal um so you're, you're price comparing and your quality and you're comparing, okay, is this going to be a vendor that I always order from or is this a seasonal type vendor? I, in situations that are overwhelming to me, I tend to shut down. I tend to become very introverted and want to observe because I'm trying to take it all in. My mother does the opposite. <laughs> she just goes in and starts asking question after question so overwhelming and my at the time and still currently we are solely online and there are a lot of wholesalers that do not allow whole or online retailers which was difficult for me to hear I I'm very sensitive and for some reason I take that personal and it is not it's just how the world of retail works a lot of times and so I would get embarrassed oh that I wasn't a brick and mortar retailer and that for some for some reason at that first market I felt like it made me not a true retailer so I again I tend to not ask questions and just observe well my mom again she just goes in there starts pulling brochures help you know like getting all this information and she was probably the best thing that could have happened to me at that market because she truly made me get out of my comfort zone and said like you are a retailer just because you can't have this product in there isn't going to make or break it like we will find somebody else wanting you to carry their product and so after first initial one you do feel a sense of accomplishment and also i did that like i've ordered all this stuff i feel good about it so our next market we went to i thought i was like the queen of market like I went into those showrooms where the wholesalers were I was talking to people I was shaking hands and it really does it's one of those things that 
the more you go and the better your relationship is with your wholesalers, the more confident you feel. And when people would say, oh, well, you're, when I would go to a new wholesaler, they would say, oh, you're online. I'm like, yeah, and I can sell 24 seven, whereas the brick and mortar can only sell between a certain hour. Like I'm at a, I'm at a benefit when I sell online. So I've learned to look at things that used to frighten me as things as a, a benefit in my corner. So, but market, it's wonderful, but also terrifying. <laughs> so that would be the best way to describe it. Well, so it's interesting that you talk about the brick and mortar store because in this day and age, we have now, even pre-COVID, we have started seeing mass closures of brick and mortar mm -hmm. stores because people don't have to get out of their pajamas anymore to shop and, and to shop local and to shop good things and, and great gifts. And while I am still very much the person that I love to touch things and to pick them up and hold them 100%, right? But I live in a small town that is miles and miles from the nearest of many kinds of stores. Um, certainly big box stores are an hour or more away from me. And so that, I mean, I knew that when I moved here 17 years ago, right? So, so while I do love to go into brick and mortar stores, it is almost the rare luxury for me. And I am so comfortable with ordering online that now it's almost like, okay, I'm gonna take a deep breath, I'm gonna put on a face of makeup, I'm gonna grab some nice clothes <laughs> that may or may not fit after a pandemic, and I'm gonna make an outing and go to a store and I just think, or I can click on a button and sit in my pajamas, right? So And wait for it to come to me. Yes, and it will come to me beautifully wrapped even. I mean, sometimes I have it wrapped just to come to me. So I have like, yes. yes. Because, a nice present. Well, and people laugh at me because even there is this wonderful jewelry store um, that a sister's husband owns in the Midwest. and. And I will order from there for some special occasions here and there. The last one, um, I think, was an anniversary. And, and I said now, in fact, I know it was. It was my 20th. And I said, I would like for you to gift wrap it and hold it until January. And she said, are you sure? And I said, 100%. Because while I had seen that piece, and certainly we had had conversations about it, it was still equally exciting to get there and unwrap the package so yes. while that seems kind of crazy if i need to pick me up it's why i love these like boxes that come and i'm like oh it's a surprise <laughs> yes like i i kind of forgot what i ordered let me see right and i wonder like now would you ever even consider a brick and mortar store i it's always i think it's always been the dream of mine to have a place of my own so I'm not functioning out of our garage right. um, I do think it it is something that I definitely will pursue when the time is right it's one of those things I came from a real estate background and I I want to make sure patient is correct the price is correct every all the stuff before we jump in that but I think 
Yes, let's be honest. Who doesn't like to go in a store and find something for yourself and walk out with it? You know, like as much as Prime is great, there's still the lag time. Whereas if you go into a store, you can have that instant wanted this, I have it and I can wear it or I can I could show it off or I can gift it to somebody, whether, you know, like whatever that situation may be. And I think that's the beauty of retail is we get to bring something big life. Um, and so, yes, a brick and mortar is definitely in the plan. When that plan may be, I am unsure. It is still... It's still floating out there. My husband might say something different, but I'm I'm going with yes. <laughs> you know, we often have those conversations in my household also. 100%. Yes. yes. And I like to always think I went out, but that might not be the case. Same. <laughs> I think sometimes he just lets me think it. It's fine. Yes. Like, he probably was going along with me, but he just wants me to feel like I've won that, won that small battle. So... <laughs> So tell me this, a day in the life of someone who owns an online retail looks like what? Chaos, number one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it definitely looks like a lot of troubleshooting, a lot of trying to figure out solutions to not necessarily problems, like currently we're trying to get our shipping costs down. Okay, so you cannot looking. blame me for the shipping. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things like we are trying to figure out which boxes to use that can best package our items, keep them from breaking, and the cheapest, op- not the cheapest option, but the most economical option for us and for the consumer. So that's one thing. And that's it's, I wish I could say I could sit down and figure it out, but that working on that for a couple months now because there's a lot of moving parts. So there's problem solving like that. Uh, well, but then you really do. Media. Well, but then you really do have problem solving. Like I, this weekend, I placed an order online and I'm not paying any attention and I clicked the little Apple Pay and it has defaulted to like local delivery. And I realize. The next day, when I'm scrolling through my emails, I'm like, oh, I I do not live in Tennessee. I should probably let them know. So, fortunately, I know you, and I can send an email and be like, I'm so sorry. I still live in South Mississippi. Please invoice me for shipping. And people think, oh, that was silly, except I know that that was ridiculous on my my part, 100%, right? But you are still dealing with crazy stuff like that all the time. Just to add to the whole, let's figure out how to best package and ship at a reasonable price. Yes, there is social media, which I am very envious of anybody who understands social media because I am not (laughs) one of them. Um, it is something I have researched and asked people about. We actually had an intern this year and I was like, I need you to handle this because I am not good at it. Like I will be the first to admit, like if you look at my, my personal Instagram, it's, um, pictures of my child and that's about it. And they're probably crappy pictures of my (laughs) child. (laughs) So, so posting on social media, dealing with customer service, like we have, we get emails every day of, hi, you know, I received this. I need to return it for whatever reason. How do I go about that? Or, hi, 
uh, um, we had one, this person or placed an order and wanted it shipped like that day. And we were, but she was like, is it going to get to me tomorrow? And I was like, well, you live in Texas. I live in Tennessee and the postal service. I'm assuming it's going to take more than a day. And she wanted to return those items. So tracking that package down, refunding her money, all of those different things. So there's always little fires everywhere that you are, that you have to allocate time for that aren't necessarily on in my planner, which is, I, it is something I've been learning to, it's okay if I don't get everything on my to-do list as long as I get those big things done or for service things accomplished because those are the items that are pressing. So a day in the life would be starting at seven and probably ending at seven. I actually work after my child goes to bed because it's the time I can have all to myself and put my headphones in and work on different things. But I'll leave little things, but I will say it's a bone to be able to work from home and to work at my pace, uh, which is one of the beauties of your own business is being able to create that schedule that works for you because I have a time during the day that I don't answer calls or emails because I'm spending that with my son and that's a non-negotiable for me. So um, those are just, those are things that are perks to owning your own store and to being your own boss. But there are lots of non-perks <laughs> that go along with it. So I think this is wonderful. And tell me, I will ask you one last question. For anyone who is thinking about jumping into retail, what is one piece of advice you would offer to them, having now had a year of it under your belt officially? I would say my biggest piece of advice is it's not going to be perfect no matter if you're if you've been playing this for eight years or 18 years it will not be perfect and that's okay but the big thing is to start it and to keep it going and to truly find that area that you're passionate about whether it's retail or whether it's owning a dog store or owning a cupcake store or a stationery store whatever it may be um it's about getting out there and testing the waters. And I love Brene Brown. I don't know if yes. you know who Brene Brown is. Yes, she is wonderful. And I loved her Netflix special. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is she talks about at this time, her and her husband were going um, swimming. She used to be a competitive swimmer. And her husband wanted to swim across a lake or this river or something. And she didn't want to do it. But she kept saying, like, I've just got to get off the blocks, which I guess is a swimming term. I'm definitely not a swimmer. Um, but <laughs> to come off the blocks, no what ifs. And that really stuck with We have a sticky note in on my office mirror that says, come off the blocks, no what ifs. So, And it doesn't have to be perfect, but as long as you do that, you're good. So that would be my one big piece of advice. I think that's really brilliant. Now, so I said one last question, but I have one more. Is there any trend that we need to be looking forward to this year when we shop your stores? Like, is there any fun thing that you think is going to be the hot new item? I will say, obviously, tie-dye has been very, very big during the pandemic time frame. I don't know if that is going to be anything that continues to stick. 
Um, but I have seen a lot of, but it's essentially the aesthetic of Taylor Swift's new album, Folklore. It's like this cottage-esque feel that is going to be very, very, very trendy. We, they were actually showcasing it in the when we went to market in January. Um, like very, not rustic, but like florally and soft and just very, very cottage-esque vibe so anything in regards to market bags or floor dresses or kind of pearly earrings um and home decor it would be like very soft wood tones so like oak colored wood um and anything that is just soft in texture would be i think is going to be from here on out the biggest trend, especially since we all need some relaxing time <laughs> during the <laughs> pandemic we all need to feel safe and be uncomfortable so um that is what I think is going to be big within the next six months to a year. Um, I'm hoping that's what it is because we fought quite a bit of it. So be on the lookout. <laughs> I will, absolutely. Well, and, and I love everything about her album actually just dropped this week. I love every track on it. So Great. if that is any indication, then I will love shopping your site. Absolutely. Yes. I, her, her album really made you feel just soft, comfortable, and safe. Like that, those would be the easiest, best words I think to describe it. And I think we all need that in our lives right now because there is so much chaos and unknown um, that everybody's navigating, whether you're a student, whether you're 80, whether you're a housewife just trying to survive with your screaming children background. You have screaming children? Need. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> So it's one of those things that I think that we all needed that reset of like, it's going to be okay. Like we can weather this together and we can, we can get through it. So time will tell. I love this. So tell me, where can people find you? Obviously, I do know one of the answers to that, theceramicpig.com. Yes. So ceramicpig, theceramicpig.com is where you can purchase any items from our store and we offer free local delivery and that is in Davidson, Williamson and Rutherford counties in Tennessee. Everything else we ship um, <laughs> out from there. I learned and, my lesson. <laughs> yes, we also have Facebook group, group The Ceramic Pig or we are on Instagram which is probably the social media platform we use the most um, and that is our handle is at The Ceramic Pig. We are also trying to dive into TikTok which oh. is, saying that makes me laugh somewhat because I, again, social media is a wild beast to me. So if you see a TikTok video, give me some grace because Lord only knows what's it going to be. But yes, because we're trying to reach kind of a different audience and just kind of test out some waters. So those, but yeah, Instagram and theseramicpig.com would be our biggest platforms. That is amazing. Alicia, (laughs) thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for bringing us all the beautiful things for your continued service to the ladies of Row O. Shout out to all the women in Murfreesboro. And I appreciate you joining me for this podcast. Thank you very much. And as always, to everyone listening out there, thank you. And until next time, stay safe and be well.